You may not have known it when you came to church today, but today we are celebrating one of the most important holidays in Brooklyn. It's Founders Day at All Saints Church. The annual, yes. The annual remembrance of the founding of this parish on September 19th, 1867. On that fateful day, the story goes that a little girl was walking down 7th Street, and an angel appeared to her and said, Little girl, found my church at 7th Avenue and 7th Street, and you shall call it All Saints. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't like that (laughs) at all. What happened was a bunch of guys got together and signed this book and incorporated the church and then sent the certificate off to Albany. And that's pretty much it. But the reason it's kind of cool is that they were just regular, ordinary people, leaders in the community who wanted a spiritual home for themselves and their families and for future generations, a place where people could come to celebrate together to lift each other up in difficult times, to walk through this difficult and sometimes trying life with the dignity that is accorded to us by the Almighty. That was in 1867. We were the second Episcopal church founded in Park Slope. The other is St. John's, which is a little bit older than we are. St. John's was founded to be a country parish back when this was farmland. But after the Civil War, Park Slope was beginning to urbanize. And so we were the city church. This process continued ever more quickly, especially after the opening of the Brooklyn Bridge in 1888. And soon after that, Park Slope became one of America's very first gilded suburbs. By the beginning of the 1890s, the ease of the commute from Brooklyn into Manhattan meant that people who were becoming wealthy because of New York's tremendous financial sector and other industries were building townhomes and brownstones right here in Park Slope. And actually, by the early 1980s, 1890s rather, Park Slope was one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in all of the United States. You can visit our original church building, which is at the corner of 7th Street and 6th Avenue right down here. We built that one eventually came into the possession of a German-speaking Lutheran church and has been the Kingsborough Seventh-day Adventist temple for about 35 years at this point. But we built this church and opened it in 1892, this grand edifice that we still love so much. And we did it at the height of the wealth of this neighborhood. You heard the gospel same way that I did. Jesus says, You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. And he comes about this conclusion in kind of a strange way, telling this odd story of the steward who was dishonest with his master's wealth and then is caught. And in return, he decides to forgive the debts, an authority not given to him at all, but to forgive the debts of the creditors who he was responsible for overseeing before. It is a strange story, especially when Jesus says, gain friends through the use of dishonest wealth. But what he's getting at here is that the steward understood from the very beginning that this wealth that he was overseeing was never his. 
What changed about him was the way that he thought about the wealth. Same money, different attitude. At first, he was hoarding it for himself dishonestly, but then he started giving it away to other people dishonestly. Implicit in this whole story is the truth that wealth is like sand that you try to hold in your hands and slips through your fingers. It comes and it goes. It is not permanent or fixed. What is permanent and fixed is God and God alone. And the proclamations of Jesus Christ stand for all time. Well, much like the story of the steward, the fortunes of Park Slope also rose and fell. And by the 1920s, this neighborhood had changed, as neighborhoods do over the course of a generation. There was a great influx of immigrants who came to work at the bustling dockyards in Brooklyn. And this neighborhood was filled with men who came from Atlantic Canada especially, but also other places, to work on the docks. They found here a pleasant place to raise their families, access to the park, and good hard-working jobs, but they were not wealthy people. Interestingly enough, even though the makeup of this congregation went from people who were at the top of the social heap to those more in the middle, that was a time when All Saints Church was thriving. You might remember All Saints Church former senior member Vera Crane, who died two years ago at the age of 107. She moved to this neighborhood in the year 1927 when she was a teenager. She told stories about how this church had three or four services every Sunday, and each Sunday it was packed. Even people who came to the early service on Sunday morning would come back in the evening to enjoy Evensong, and there would be 100 or 150 people simply to be here, to be together in this church that they loved so much. So you see what mattered in that period of time of our church's history was not so much the wealth of the people who were here, but rather their attitude toward that wealth. Because we were a church filled with generous people and people who found God in this place, we were thriving. Over time, All Saints Church continued to be a place that welcomed all people, and especially people who were coming to this country from another country, coming here to make new lives for themselves and for their families. People arrived from all over the world, from Africa, from the West Indies, from so many different places. But the one thing that was constant was that they found in this place a sense of belonging, deep spiritual belonging. And that's what made us a rich church. It's what continues to make us a rich church. I think it's important for us, at least once a year, to revisit our history. Because like the history of this neighborhood, which has seen ups and downs over time, the history of our church also waxes and wanes. This place is a living organism. And it would be ridiculous to think that it would be the same over the course of 155 years, wouldn't it? 
So, of course, this place is being reinvented constantly by the action of the Holy Spirit. The question for us is what kind of church is God calling us to be today? I think that for answers to that question, we can always return to the gospel. Jesus makes it very clear what it means to be a church today or in any time. A church is the body of Christ. A church is a place where people gather together week after week, year after year, to love God and to love their neighbor. A church is a place where all people are always welcome. A church is a place where we come together to pray, to sing, to break bread, and to enjoy the bounty of the Holy Spirit in one another's company. A church is a place where we bring our full selves each and every time that we come, and we do it with an open heart to continue to be molded and changed so that we may grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what being a church always looks like. So what does that look like today? Well, back in 1867, and actually even today, churches are susceptible to the same powers and principalities that are at work in the rest of the world. And it can be very tempting to think that our authority rests in things of this world. Sometimes churches try to project their power and authority through their money, through their real estate, through their size, through their communication strategy, their digital strategy. And all that stuff is nice. But take a look at what happened in the news today, this very week. You probably saw that this week the governor of Florida sent a group of people who had arrived in the United States on a plane against their consent to Martha's Vineyard off the coast of Massachusetts. But when they arrived, the community, even though it received no advance warning that these folks were coming, knew exactly what to do. Every single person who got off that plane had a place to stay immediately. And not just a little bit of clothing or a hot meal, but a home, a sense of belonging. And at the center of this effort was St. Andrew's Episcopal Church. You've probably seen the images in the media of how people were sleeping in the church and how members of the community rallied around the church to welcome the people who had been sent unjustly from Florida. You see, what the governor of Florida didn't understand is that he also was just like that steward in the gospel story. The power and the authority, the resources given to him, even the people within his own territory do not belong to him. He had the choice of whether to use those resources justly or unjustly. And it's pretty clear what decision he chose to make. On the other end were faithful people steeped in the gospel who had been practicing these values for generations upon generations. And they took those resources and made the opposite choice. 
choosing to use what they had in their possession to welcome people who were in need of a new home. And I would argue that that is the way that we exercise our moral and spiritual authority in the first quarter of the 21st century. So as we ponder this question about what kind of church we are to be in this day, I'd invite you to wonder what the preacher standing in this pulpit is going to say at the 200th Founders Day. What will that person say about our era of time in the year 2067, looking way back on this chaotic and bizarre period of time? Well, I can tell you this. I can tell you that that preacher will say that this was a community of love, a place where all people are welcome, and when we fail at welcoming all people, we try to return to the values of the gospel. That preacher will say that in our time, when there was an unprecedented crisis of refugees, that we organized and rallied and donated resources to make sure that there were new families being resettled and given a new home in New York City. That preacher will say that we endeavored to be the body of Christ as best we could in our own time. And I would hope that in the years to come, as we keep celebrating more and more Founders Days, that we will continue to grow in this fellowship of love, discovering new ways that the Holy Spirit is calling us to be God's church in the world. Indeed, we are stewards of resources placed into our own possession, resources that don't belong to us. Take a look at this building, this location, this place. None of it was built by anyone who is here. Like that steward, it's up to us to decide what to do with the things placed in our hands in this day. But by God's grace, we will be the church that God is calling us to be in this time and in years to come. Amen. Amen.